The draft is near. What should the Pacers' philosophy be? How should they be approaching the best player ever versus fit debates? What players should they be considering? How should they be approaching trades? How many rookies is too many? And more. Lots of questions will be answered today as Derek Kramer and I break it down on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name is Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today, diving into all things Pacers draft with Derek Kramer from iPacers blog. So much to do and get into. We talk about the merits of fit versus best player available. Trading up, trading down, trading out, trading for vets. How many rookies is the right number of rookies? And all sorts of other things related to the Pacers draft strategy. Some Jairus Walker, Taylor Hendricks discussion as well. Basically everything you could want to hear about the Pacers draft and what their approach could, should, and would be come tomorrow. Let's just get right to it. It has been two months, which means it's long enough for Derek Kramer to be back. The friend of the pod, the legend himself, iPacers blog, is here which means something big must be happening in Pacerland, and that is absolutely correct. The draft is in one freaking day. <laughs> Finally, no more reading reports that the Pacers want to trade up and trade down and trade for a vet all at the same time, and they want to draft one of six players. I'm tired of it. I just want to know what's going to happen, but I do want to talk about it because there's merit to a lot of these things, and that's why I think the Pacers draft reporting and strategy is so fascinating because the position the team is in, they could do – any number of things, and it would be justifiable. And that's what makes this so fascinating. Derek, as you kind of dig in to the prospects to this draft, do you feel like there is a right path? Do you feel like there is a tiering that kind of breaks this up? How do you feel like the approach is dictated by the Pacers position and this prospect class? I think I, I agree generally with the consensus. Like, obviously, Wemby is by himself at the top. <laughs> yes. And then he got Scoot and Brandon Miller. And then I think the four through eight, four through nine is kind of depends on, on who you like the most. The Thompson Thompson twins, maybe a little before everybody else, but I think there's a lot of just like, who do, what do you, what are you looking for, for your team between a lot of those guys? Uh, for me personally, I think if the Pacers can come away with Jairus Walker or Taylor Hendricks with that first pick that they have, I would be very satisfied with their opening start to the draft. Yeah, those are good players. It worked out well for the Pacers that the best players are the ones in that tier all happen to be forwardy wingy types. Like even the mo of the guys you just said, I guess Amen would be guardy, but he's probably going to be gone before seven. But of the commonly mocked tier around them, there's Anthony Black, who's obviously kind of a guard, and then everybody else is a winger or a forward, which is great for the Pacers that it shook out that way because they don't have to think as much about the normal question of the draft cycle, which I still do want to talk about, but of fit versus best, right? And Pritchard talked about it at the lottery. Like sometimes he's picked the best player and ignored fit a little too hard, and that shot him in the butt and sometimes he feels like he leaned a little too hard into fit instead of picking the best player and that's backfired before and that yeah that can happen every year you don't want to overthink it but you know it's interesting the way i think about this because i consider myself to be 
always best player available, right? Rosters change so fast. Take the best guy, figure it out. But if it was going to be a year where I, Mr. Always Best Player Available, would be interested in backing off that stance, it would be a team that has multiple young players already established at a position that they can't really fit anything more into the rotation. And that kind of is the Pacers. Like they could, if they drafted Anthony Black, I would get it. He's a ginormous creator. You figure it out. You throw your three-guard lineup out there and figure it out. But with Hal Burton, who has the ball all the time, with Matherin, who's going to likely have an increase in usage this year, with Nemhard, they still have Heald and McConnell on their team last time I checked, although I wouldn't make decisions based on them. They have so many guys who have the ball that you almost have to consider fit with this team. They just need forward depth so bad, and they haven't had a young forward on their team in since TJ Leaf, which people will scoff, but I mean, that's maybe the last one. Like, <laughs> like you have to think about fit, I think, in their position even more than I would care to admit normally, given how I feel about the draft. Yeah, I think the the only time I generally disagree with the best player is if it's a center and you already have a center or two on your roster. I think unless they're just like going to blow you away, I think the Pacers have kind of learned that. We're talking um, about the 2023 draft, not 2019, Derek. I, okay, well, <laughs> let's just let's just go <laughs> go through it because we got. I mean, the Pacers obviously learned that lesson with Goga, and then yep. they said Isaiah Jackson wasn't just a center, but they've only ever played him at center, really. 19 so, minutes with another big last year or something like that. So yeah. he's basically, you know, a center, if we're honest. And that was the concern when when they drafted him. Like, do they really need another center? Oh, he's not. Oh, he is. So. That's that's kind of my only concern. Like with Jarris is like when I watch him, I wonder if his best spot is a five, and that's my only concern with him. Uh, but you, I was DMing with you yesterday. I've been watching so much Jarris lately, and I started on this big. I've just been on a roller coaster ride with him because I started my like first three games that I watched of him. He went like four for 18 from two point range and three straight over three straight games. So then I'm like super low on him. And then I'm like, I don't, I don't see it. And then I'm watching and I, I've picked back up and I'm back in on Jairus, but I do. My only hesitation is like, is he really just a five is like, is that his best spot? Like, how's it going to work at the four? Um, but I think his defense is good enough to where it wouldn't be another turd bonus situation. Yeah. I don't, I wouldn't worry about that myself. Turner can shoot enough that, like he was a better shooter last year than he ever was with Savonis. How what a what a twist of the knife for fate that Turner finally hits thirty eight percent again from deep the year after they trade away Savonis. Um, but yeah, I think that there I don't think there are any bad fits. Like even Black, who's probably the worst fit of the guys in their tier, He's is tall enough that it's not bad. You know what I mean? And that means maybe you can do best player available. But the fact that all the fits are good enough. I think it's really a good thing for the Pacers and kind of influences too. another question we'll get to later about them moving within their own tier. Right. And I did a report show yesterday, but there's another one that's like, and I guess we can just do it now. Like if there truly are somewhat equal fits of Hendricks, Walker, Whitmore, whoever. And I think Hendricks and Walker are the best two fits, but maybe not the best two talents. I don't know. I'd have, I have to, I mean, I have rankings, but you know, there's this new thing that came out from Jake Fisher this morning in his report about, uh, the Portland Trailblazers discussing Anthony Black uh, and the Jazz interest in him. I got to make sure I'm reading the right thing. Uh, they said Utah has also contacted Indiana about trading into the seventh selection, sources said, uh, because they would want 
to potentially move over the Wizards to get him. And I'm not saying anything about that specific report, but just this is another interesting factor in this draft to me is like if you do view it as a tier from four through nine, my tier is six through nine, but that doesn't matter. It's still through nine and includes the Pacers pick. Would they be willing to move back a little bit and pick something else up? Normally, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. But at the same time, it's like, well, how do you do that? Because they don't have room for another rookie. So the usual obvious trade package of, you know, nine and 16, it's like, didn't we just spend all summer talking about how the Pacers can't add a bunch of rookies? Like, why are they adding another pick all of a sudden? So, yeah, I think there's merit to them moving around in their tier because of the fit. The, the fits are all pretty strong around them and the talents are somewhat similar. I mean, I'm sure everybody has their opinion on who the best player is, but you know, it, it does make it an interesting discussion that they could move around, but at the same time, it's going to be hard to find the right value to do so. Yeah, I think the I saw that as well with the nine and like you were thinking it has to be like the nine and 16 for seven and then make, like it only makes sense if the Pacers are like it's not enough for the Jazz. I feel like you'd have to give them more picks, but it's like the Pacers can only add so many more rookies to this roster as it's built currently um, and with wanting to compete and all those other things that I'm sure you've talked about over and over recently. Um, so yeah, like if they, if they feel like all these guys are the same tier and you see like, Oh, we got, we're at, we're up on the clock and we see Taylor Hendricks, we see Asar Thompson, we see Jarris Walker all available. Like we're going to get one of those guys at nine, especially if the jazz want Anthony black, then we're still going to have our choice between two of those guys potentially at nine then it absolutely makes sense. But then it's like, how much do we really need that 16th pick depending on what you want to do with that? Yeah. And it's risky for teams to give up future value to move up two slots, especially a team like the jazz who might not be great next year, right? Like there's a lot of tough hurdles to doing so, even though I do get it from the Pacers perspective. And that's something I've been kind of running through my head is like, it seems like this draft because of the way it's cheered off, Trading up for the Pacers, like you, you only, you'd only want to do it if you're moving up a tier, but it seems like the cost to do that's going to be so high. And then in their own tier, they're going to be happy with all these guys that that's kind of why I've talked about them staying at seven being the most likely is the cost to go up seems too high, especially given how badly it seems like Miller and Henderson are coveted. And Miller would be a great fit with the Pacers, to, to be totally clear. But, I mean, even if they traded their entire draft this year, I don't think the Pacers could get into that range. Um, and then moving within their own tier, seems like you'd only want to go back. And even that, it's kind of hard to find the right asset fit. That's why I feel like the most likely thing is they stay at seven. But there is a lot of options. And I think that's something their VP of pers player personnel, Ryan Carr, stressed is there's just a lot of ways it could go. But moving up seems so hard. And that's why I think seven is the most likely pick, although that is a little bit of a guess. Yeah, if I had to rank them, I would say stay at seven, move down slightly and pick up another middle range because I'm sure they would – I know they would like to package those late picks and move up. So it makes sense if they can get one of those guys and then move up that way into the middle range as well. Um, and then trading up seems like the least likely. You can maybe only see like if Detroit – isn't sold on anybody and they want to pick up something extra and they don't get overwhelmed with any other, other picks. So they just move down two slots and the Pacers don't have to give up too much, but enter division trade feels like a little less likely too. Hey, the Pacers got uh, Andrew Nembhard in an interdivision trade, so <laughs> you never really know. They also got Nembhard at 31. You just brought up the late picks. I want to talk about the number of Pacers picks, trades, all that stuff. Got to it a little yesterday, but I want another 
person to bounce this off of. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Some people have trouble spending time with themselves versus spending time with others correctly in balancing that in any given week. It's so easy to get caught up in the needs of everyone around you, but never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. When you spend all of your time giving, you can feel stretched thin and burned out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. Therapy can benefit anyone for any number of reasons, positive coping skills, setting boundaries, empowering you to be the best version of yourself. It's not just for those who have experienced major trauma or anything like that. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockdownNBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockdownNBA. So, Derek, they have five picks. They've made it very clear they're not picking five players, right? We're going to have to litigate the reasons for that. It's been discussed. They only have three roster spots. Uh, they want to be good next year. Five rookies doesn't help with that. Whatever. We can go on and on. I want to know if you have a number in your head that you've kind of thought would be the ideal number of rookies for the Pacers to walk away from in this draft. I mean, ideally, before the lottery, it would have just been one. Just if you get that one, <laughs> it doesn't matter what the other ones are. Sure. No, sure. but uh, um, I think no more than three. I feel like they can't come away with more than three. Two. If it's, well, uh, I agree with that. I think two would be great. But I think three is the number. Unless so well, one it, of them could be a two-way if it's just like late or a drafted stash or something. But like three guys at max that you're going to bring on to the team next year with like an NBA contract, I think. E, okay. So three with an NBA deal, that almost feels like still too many to me. In my head, if it's three guys, if it's three rookies, one of them's on a two-way. Like they just pick 55 and they give that guy their a two-way, and maybe Kendall Brown has one. And this is just predict guessing, not prediction, but we've seen Jermaine Samuels in some of these workout videos. He was at a draft, pre-draft workout. Maybe he gets the third one, another big wing. Um, he was amazing for the Mad Ants last year, quite frankly. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the two-way thing. And we're, we've talked about two-ways for 30 seconds, which is more than I thought we would on this show. But three standard contract rookies, that would surprise me because then they're going to have to, to kind of trade away some players and that's fine. They probably will have to do that anyway, but they don't have the roster spots to then sign someone. And so it's a little harder to do it in that way. But at the same time, you can't just trade away stuff to trade away stuff. Like every team would know that's the case. So it's kind of hard to find the middle ground. Like everybody's talking about, you know, the, the two picks, let's say the Pacers have two rookies, it being seven and then whatever you can get as high as you can get trading all three of the other picks. Right. Is that 17 of the Lakers? Is that 21 with the Nets? But then it's like, well, giving up all three for 21 seems bad. I don't know. But you know, that seems like the way it would be two to me is that it's the best rookie you can get and then the second best rookie you can get. But maybe it makes sense to do something similar to that and then trade one of those picks for a vet. Maybe it makes sense to trade them all for future picks because first will be really helpful for them when Tyrese Halliburton's expensive. I don't know, but to me, three seems too high unless the third one's on a two-way, especially given that they want to be good next year, right? Like if their rotation features pick seven, Tyrese Halburn, Benedict Matherin, Andrew Nemhard, whatever young backup big is playing, Aaron Neesmith, uh, like that's a lot of 
young, inexperienced talent in a rotation for a team trying to make the postseason. Like, I feel like already it'd be hard to add in another one. So two seems like the most to me, uh, but it is kind of tricky to kind of parcel through it because they could maybe not accelerate as much as we think. I don't know. I'm not talking in circles, but it, it's hard for me to imagine three standard deals. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Like, I think three is like the the max that they could make work. Like obviously they would have to, like you said, trade players they would have to find, even if it's just cutting ties so they can sign somebody else. Um, and like packaging, so I don't know, Duarte and hijacks or something for one player, a pick or whatever it is. Um, I think they could make three work with the roster if they had to, I'm sure Kevin Pritchard doesn't want to add that many to the roster. They had three last year, <laughs> and and they of course the two they had were fantastic. I mean, I can't have they had three. Okay, they had three when it was um, Leaf Sumner and Ani Bogu, but Sumner was hurt all year and he didn't play. Um, and then the next year was just Holiday and Isaiah Johnson. Yeah, they haven't had the only so the only times they've had three in the Pritchard era, their two way guys been hurt all year, so they haven't even had to find time. For three rookies, they've only kind of finagled their way into two. Like, it's really hard to find a way to develop three rookies with actual court time throughout the course of the season. If one's on a two-way, it's easier, but especially if you're trying to be good. Like, they already, even with two, they could barely play Aaron Holiday. I mean, T.J. McConnell played over him, and that's another discussion, by the way. We'll get to in a second. And uh, same for Goga. He never played. Like, it's hard to find time for these rookies at times. So, that's I, I think three is too many, but I haven't... I, there's not like a good argument for a specific number, right? It's just like three feels too high, <laughs> but that's not a good argument. It just feels too high. Yeah. I mean, the, like the good news is like they have five picks. They're probably not going to pick that many. So it should be a very fun night on Thursday, just entertainment wise with what sh- like should happen. Cause if, if they end up picking five guys, you know, that like as they're going to feel like they failed because they, they did not want to <laughs> take all those picks. <laughs> As a person who has to write stories about every move they make, I'd appreciate if it's a chaotic night that it's like chaotic because of one crazy trade. Just so I have to write one thing. <laughs> Not like Pacers trade 26 for this. Pacers trade 29 for that. Pacers trade 32 for a third thing. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> stop, <laughs> please. <laughs> that would be nightmarish. Yes, a big package deal for Tony that he can write all in one nice piece. <laughs> Just trade all of them for one. What the Spurs will say, yes, surely. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like I've said this before, but just to stress it for someone who may not have heard it in this process. Funnily enough, the trade the Pacers need to make is the Malcolm Brogdon trade, but the the inverse, right? That yeah. trade was Tice, Neesmith, and then three like things the Celtics didn't want anymore and a first round pick for one thing, one player, Malcolm Brogdon. And now the Pacers need to trade a young player, a pick and some salary for a good player, right? Like they're funnily enough in the exact opposite chair. Like that's what they need to find to me and whether that involves a young player like Duarte or a Neesmith or a Wara or a something better than that, or a backup big or whatever of their three middle picks. I don't know. You could make any number of trades, right? But that, that seems like what they would be happy to find given their current situation. Yes. The, I think it's interesting. You talked about like the Pacers not having like multiple rookies on their roster very often. Like you think about just the recent history and the amount of first round picks that they've had in the same year, like until, until they took Duarte and Ajax, like you can go back 
I don't know. Like, I don't know if they've ever <laughs> taken Ooh. two guys in the same year. And now they're about to like Nimhart's so close to being one that they'll have like yeah. seven guys if they take those picks, which they won't. But that's a lot. Uh, the last time they actually picked two guys in the first round. Okay. The last time they gave serious minutes to two guys before last year was PG and Lance. <laughs> and Lance, Lance didn't even play that Lance much. didn't play that year. Yeah. And Lance didn't even play that much. Two, I mean, it's rare. And they've it, some of this is just that they've been good, right? right. They made what was it, 25 out of 31 years making the playoffs or whatever? Like, that's not typically a type yeah. of franchise. Okay, this is actually kind of they, they probably had to trade for one year that I just can't see because B Ball Refs list does the actual pick, right? The Pacers that. made that drives me uh, nuts because they're not who picked the team, just like put the people who traded for it as <laughs> took the player. The, Rush wasn't a rookie with the Pacers, was he? He was. Okay, that's probably the year. Then, that's probably right? the year. Was that Rush and Hibbert? Were those the same year? 20, 2008 draft. Man, riveting stuff for our, my listeners here. <laughs> uh, no, because they traded away Jared Bayless in that draft. So even not that one either. I think right? <laughs> I think. <laughs> that one they traded. That's oh, been so long ago. But was Rush that same year? That Rush? they traded Bayless away? Uh, yes. Yes, it was. Okay. So they took yeah, that was Hibbert too. You're right. They took Hibbert that year too, right? Yeah. Okay. So that was as far as I can tell, it's 2008 with Hibbert and Rush. Turned out pretty yeah. good. <laughs> they got an all star that year, so yeah. worked out. Not, not um, the Roy part, but yes, the the Roy part. Right? He's a fine player. Yeah. Actually, let's can we talk about expectations? I love, I love Roy. I love Roy, but Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> what did Rush go 13th? Yeah. Okay. Rush had a, a Rush went 13th. Had a nine-year career. His best year was 10 points a game. Okay, that's probably like a little below expectation, but just the way I view the draft, it's like that's not like awful. He's, he's fine. I just never liked him that much. Yeah. That's all. I, so I did JMV today with uh, Derek Schultz filling in, and we talked about expectations. Like Kyle Korver went fifth overall in his draft. If you get Kyle Korver at five, you're like, Yes, we got a good freaking player who's going to be in our rotation every day. Like, I know everybody thinks about the star, the upside, the franchise player, whatever. But like, oh, Corver didn't go fifth. I'm being dumb. I'm thinking of somebody else. Either way, if you get a guy of Corver's level at five, you're happy. Like a 20-year career kind of dude who makes an all-star team and averages 15 points a game. Like, that's a great fifth pick. I know it's hard to think that way, but it is. Thad Young at seven would be a great seventh pick. Like, it's really hard to kind of contextualize that. Harrison Barnes at six. Is that the kind of thing? Yes. Yes. That's a great pick. Yeah. It went, <laughs> it went well for the Warriors. That, that, that worked out pretty well for them. I don't I, like it's sad to think that way. You know, like everybody gets the allure of the top 10. Why did I think Corver went so much higher than he did? He went 51st. That, that's not even close. That was shocking to me. So I'm glad that's not true. That not I true. said that out loud on the radio today. <laughs> no one tweeted at me. So thank you, indie <laughs> listeners, for not. <laughs> Not roasting me for that. I don't know why I thought that. Whatever. Either way, if you got Kyle Korver with the fifth, you'd be happy. Um, okay. Are you advocating for the Pistons to take Grady Dick at five? <laughs> look, get, man. Get the best shooter at L- five. Listen, listen. I, don't, I have Grady Dick. Let me look to make sure I'm not stepping on my toes. 13th. I still think he's good. Like <laughs> He's a great he's shooter. I, do. Yeah. I would not like it for the Pacers just because I want them to have somebody who I think is going to help on defense because they need that so badly. One more break here, guys, so I can talk to you about FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing. Phillies, eh, 
eh, recovering a little bit. And there's no better place to get in on all the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to join today. Some fun bets on there about parlays and all sorts of things like that you can do with any teams or players on a given night in the MLB. So don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. When's the last time they picked a good defensive prospect? Miles. Miles, yeah. Because Leaf was not known for that coming out of UCLA. Holiday was known for that, but he's my height, right? So there's only a limitation to what your defense can be. Goka kind of had a defensive rep, but they played a lot of zone for him in Europe. Uh, Isaiah, Isaiah Jackson actually would probably be the most recent one. Wise, yeah. yeah. Like, it's not common, though. So, you know, that focus, especially given where they are, is significant. To bounce off of that, is that your number one trait you'd be looking for? Defense? This year, like like among your favorite prospects, is that you said you've watched Walker and Hendricks the most? Is that why? Yes, the I am a big fan of both of their defensive games. I generally like Hendricks more on that end, just because I really value his rim protection and how most of his blocks are like above the rim, just nasty. Like some of the blocks that he gets are just sick. Walker's like the blocks that I feel like he gets a lot of them are like he's anticipating and he's getting the ball before it even comes out of his hands. Like he's so good, but I wonder how many of those blocks he's getting on NBA level players. I still think he's going to be a fantastic team defender, but I don't know how much, I wonder how much his rim protection is going to translate compared to Hendricks, I guess. They both have an over six block rate, which is just bananas. (laughs) They're not even centers. Like that's crazy good. And like when you do a lot of those queries on Bartorvik about, you know, freshmen with a six percent block rate, it's like nine guys. Like it's like it's like nobody. Like if you do guys who who made as many, I forget exactly what it was. I'd have to look at my own article about Taylor Hendricks. But for his block rate and shooting volume, it's like Wendell Carter, Jaron Jackson. Like all first of all, it's all centers. And second of all, it's all centers who are good NBA players. It's like, wait, this guy's a wing? Like, he should not be among this group. It's wild. And Walker's stats, not the shooting isn't there, but he's got a higher steal rate. I think he's got some creation upside. But either way, their defensive game and numbers are both like, oh, my God. <laughs> and, and for the Pacers who need that, that is, of course, appealing, which I think matters this year. When you look at, you know, we talked about fit versus best available. But the fact that there are two six nine. In shoes, I get this six foot six and three quarters. Jarrett Walker and no shoes out here. I don't care. He's gonna wear shoes when he plays. Um, six eight six nine wing type guys who could both be great team defenders. Like, I, I would understand picking both. Like, I, obviously, I prefer Walker. We've gone over this, but if they pick Hendricks, it'd be very easy to explain. It would make a lot of sense. He would fit their team. Like, makes a ton of sense, right? I don't. I don't think the differences between them are large enough that it's worth you. For me, at least, I get why other people might feel differently especially if you value shooting a lot, to go, oh, it's so ridiculous they would value one over the other. And I think that's good for them because there's a chance both of them are there, although some of the uh, mock drafts seem to not think so recently. Yeah, I think the like it's so interesting. Like They're both such great fits, but they're very different players. Like yeah. the Offensively especially, like Hendricks is a guy that's really at first probably only going to space the floor for you and occasionally make good cuts. And then Walker's a guy that can make so many – 
awesome plays with his just IQ and feel for the game. Like the, I think my favorite one of his is the, like he came down, he got a lob, dunked it. And then the next play they threw him another lob and he like tipped it out on the lob to an open guy at the three point line. It was just, just um, like, you don't see that from a, a freshman or anybody like yep. yeah, in the process of catching a lob and just tipping it out to the three point line. His, his passing is unbelievable. I think I'd have Hendricks over Walker if he made laps. <laughs> like it drives. He dunks the ball. Like I'm not that concerned about his layups as much. I don't know. He dunks the ball in transition a lot. Certainly. Um, I mean, he dunked it on Walker literally in half. He court. did. He did. And, and he went left on that drive, which he did like twice in the four games of Taylor Hendricks. I watched like <laughs> that play is just like ingrained in my brain. Um, yeah. Either way, they're both fantastic. I think that is significant for the Pacers team. I forget where I was going with that, though, which is not good. I had a point to make about um, them both being great fits, but uh, I think that does kind of influence their draft planning a bit that they just there are such good fits for them available. Uh, Do you feel like there's anything else that is crucial to this Pacers draft storyline? You know, like, let's say Jarris goes five. Does that change anything for you if you're the Pacers at seven? Like, are you just praying for Hendricks? Would you be willing to move up to six if it meant you got Hendricks? Like, that is sort of an interesting thing to me, too, because that's what ESPN predicts now, is that Walker's going five to Detroit. Yeah, I saw that the the Pistons are not high on Whitmore. Personally, I'm not a big Whitmore guy for the Pacers, just because I feel like he's a little too redundant with what Matherin already brings. So, like in term, unless they think he's by like a tier above all these other guys, I would not personally. I would not take Whitmore just because I, when I'm thinking about this pick, like I want to give not only this guy the best chance for success, but everybody else that I already have that I've invested in the best chance for success. So I feel like that's a conversation for best player versus fit too. Um, but yes, I would be, I would be Hendricks or bust almost maybe a Sar Thompson, but I feel like he's going to go six in that scenario, but maybe then Hendricks is there. <laughs> Woo! Right. There, you know, right? Like, yeah, I, I'm a big, big, Asar guy. So I don't, I mean, I don't think he makes it to seven, but if he did, I, I personally would pick him over both Walker and Hendricks. I'm not assuming he'll be there at seven, but I think he's got enough. Of, like, I think right away, both Hendricks and Walker will be better, but his upside is just, I mean, both of the twins just like, oh my gosh, like if they hit, they're insane. And he's shown enough shooting growth that you can go, oh, you can definitely be a wing. Whereas Amen, you can't feel as good about that. But like that, that's another point to this, though. Even if you don't like Whitmore, I have him ninth. Like any of the top eight, you could be happy with as the Pacers. And then you take out Anthony Black, who doesn't fit. Great. And in the top seven, you could be happy with as the Pacers. And guess what? They have the seventh pick. This is the first year that Kevin Pritchard probably won't do the line of like, oh, we like six guys and we had the seventh pick. Like that probably won't come out of his mouth this year like it has after past drafts. Right. Well, that was his line after the lotto. Like he was really thankful that he didn't drop below yeah. seven. So that's probably similar to how he feels. Like he that's feels true. like there's that many guys that they like, which maybe he just would have said that at eight. I'm glad we only dropped one spot. You know, <laughs> I would have said the same thing. <laughs> Funnily enough, a lot of people w- around the team and the public speakers at the draft. So Tyrese and Kevin, that's kind of the first thing they said was like, we didn't drop, you know? And like, I think that that potentially is part of it. Although the draft process evolves so much that you never want to get, too in love with anybody. I think we've nailed all the storylines, but I think my big takeaway for this Pacers draft is something I already said, and it's kind of like there are so many things they could do that make sense that 
One, it's I think it's going to be a crazy night because they have to make moves. But two, it's going to be really hard for me to walk away from this draft feeling like the Pacers did a bad job or a pick that like stuns me because I think there's a lot of talent in the top 10. I think they have a lot of directions that make sense and good fits. Like unless they pick, <laughs> I don't even know who they could pick that I'd be like, huh, what? You know, it's like it, it's it's truly hard for me to feel like they just totally do something crazy and and screw themselves up or set themselves back. And that's a, a good position to be in. And that'll set themselves up for the rest of their summer. I agree. I think the, it should be a very fun, entertaining draft. I got some, uh, some hot takes so I can just make myself look dumb in a couple years. If you want me do to it just now, do it right now. Crazy things out here. So Jairus Walker, best case scenario is like, he reaches like the Draymond green level of like crazy good team defender and like can basically run the, run the offense on the other end. Uh, Taylor Hendricks crazy comparison is Jaron Jackson Jr. What you brought him up in that <laughs> query. So perfect. Uh, like he plays the four a lot with Steven Adams. So I thought they, uh, they also both, I, maybe I should be more concerned about Taylor Hendricks being a five, two. He just looks more like a wing, but he plays a lot. Of I never five. said that to you, but I thought at once when you messaged me, I was like, wait, <laughs> why won't the other guy get guarded by fives? <laughs> Well, he can shoot. I feel like that helps him a lot with yeah, that. He can't dribble that. Well, he can kind of, but anyway, continue. Yes, but uh, you're right. But uh, but he play he plays a lot more five than you would think, which is at UCF. But yes, that's but that's part of why his rim protection pops so much because he is by the rim a lot because he's guarding their their big or they don't have another big on there. Um, I don't know. That's all the oh. There's a fun Jairus Walker stat that I don't know if I've seen anywhere, but like the first two thirds of the season, so like 24 games, he shot 42 percent from deep. But then he, like that was like his first 51, 52 attempts, shot 42 percent, and then his last 12 games, he shot 24 percent from deep on about Ooh. 49 attempts. So he started shooting them more in the last third of the season, but he was not <laughs> making them very much. So. Wow. Like one of my early watches with Walker, why I was a little concerned about him because like Hendricks was guarding him and he was just ignoring him completely, like standing in the middle of the paint. And Walker's just standing, you know, they don't even throw him the ball, which of both of those, they're frustrating watches a little bit. Cause you're like, give these guys the ball more. They're very good and they don't get the ball very much. <laughs> Can I ask you a stupid, just for fun question about the Pacers draft? Yes. Who's the best player they could pick that you'd be like, what? like surprised that they took that player um i don't know i'll take best out of it but i don't i can't see them picking him but if they took the i don't even know how to pronounce his name because i don't know if i've watched any of the any videos i've only read about him but the by law kubali like i don't even know how to say his name but if they took him at seven i would be very shocked because they didn't like work him out or anything like he's got all the he's got a bunch of buzz to like surprise, but that would probably be like the the Anthony Bennett Bennett Bill Simmons freaking out moment. <laughs> so Anthony Black Grady Dick wouldn't like surprise you. I mean, it'd be surprising, uh, but you, you wouldn't. Yeah, it wouldn't. It would be a little surprising. I think Black fits more than just because he has size. I think he could play the wing fine. Like I I wouldn't be shocked with that. Dick would be disappointing just mostly because I don't think it will help on the defensive end. I think Grady Dick is good, but he is the best. He's my answer. He'd be the best player that if they picked him, I went, whoa, <laughs> you know, that would surprise me, even if he did work out here and owes them. But that that's just my opinion. I mean, there are 
there are a lot of good players in this draft. Just pick Brandon Pajemski at seven, make me happy and make everybody else mad, and then we'll all be better off in the future, right? That seems like the move. It is seven. Wow. Yeah, that would be your <laughs> I don't even have him seventh, to be clear. I just I, mean, I have you, him higher you than did tell me. You have him in the lottery, so that's not that much of a reach for you. I do. So who's your like favorite? Is that your favorite target if they like who they're who you want them to target if they trade up into the teens if they're able to do that like they likely yeah. want to? Uh, him and Gigi Jackson. Yeah, those would be my two. And then yeah. Leonard Miller, I think, is my. I have Leonard Miller 15. Also, so great. Good choice. <laughs> <laughs> We're on a roll here. We're killing it. <laughs> Colby Jones, I like a lot more than the consensus. Now I'm just saying names. I could, I just, I just keep reading. Names just make a list. <laughs> <laughs> no clowny. I like more. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be fun to figure out where everything is. And not only will we learn a lot about. The players, the Pacers pick, obviously, because they'll be on the Pacers. But we'll learn a lot about what they think about their direction or what was available to them in terms of picking a direction, which will make the free agency picture more clear, which will make a lot of things more clear. The discussion will shift very quickly. Not looking forward to it tomorrow, TBD, because plans have been changing. Uh, draft expert to me determined will come on to talk about the biggest draft storylines. Now the Pacers are impacted by potential movement and selections within the top 10, of course, Friday. And probably Saturday, let's be honest. Talking about the draft, what the Pacers did, what their next steps are, who their new players are. I'll be at all the Pacers events. You won't want to miss it. Derek, thank you for the time. As always, we'll see you again in two months, obviously. Eh, no, I don't want to waste your time in August. See you again at some point in the future. Where can people follow you and your work tweeting currently about prospects, but also writing about the team? Yes, uh, at iPacers blog. Um, I'll have something up probably i'll just wait until they pick at seven and then i'll have something on that player because i just <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to get too invested and write something before i know where they're at so uh yeah so check that out probably after the draft don't expect maybe i'll surprise people and get something before then but don't i did 14 up. breakdowns last year that was too many <laughs> 10 is the perfect number that's good i'm happy happy with the 10 i did and if this wasn't my job i would break them down and not write anything about it because i feel like i'm just like there's a lot of information on these guys looking forward to breaking this all down though thank you guys a ton for listening we'll see you soon